Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm so lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. One more time, why don't you put your hands together and give the Lord some praise in the room? Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for worshiping in the house of the Lord. You may return to your seats, but don't be seated quite yet. Why don't you grab your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 17, and we will begin to read from the word of the Lord this morning. I want to say uh, what an honor it is to stand this pulpit be trusted to deliver the word of the Lord, honor our pastor and his wonderful family, and uh, just so thankful for him, for his voice, and for the opportunity to be able to speak what the Lord has laid on my heart this morning, and glad they are getting an opportunity to spend some time together, and uh, he supports this for us, and we support it for him, that he gets some time to spend with his family. That's important. That is so incredibly necessary. And so we're praying for them, praying they have a great time. Amen. And this is a mature church. This is a church that can be trusted to still have church when pastor is gone. Amen. I said amen. 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 I love this church. Thank you guys so much for being here and for still engaging and worshiping in the presence of the Lord, even when pastor is gone. That means that you must really love Jesus. Amen. Amen. You must really love Jesus. Amen. There's some people that stay at home when the pastor's gone. Y'all looking at me real weird right now, like, like, okay, all right. Oh, I'm talking to you. That's why you, okay, all right. But thank you so much for being in the house of the Lord. I believe that God has laid something on my heart and, uh, if we'll just open up our, our hearts to receive what God has given to me this morning, I believe that God will speak to us in a, uh, in a very real and personal way. This is your first time or second time or third time, or maybe you've been around for a couple of weeks or months. You're kind of new to this. I, I just want you to know, as, as, as Brother Josh said this morning, this is home and welcome home today. God is going to do something supernatural in your life today, and I believe that. I believe that. But here's my encouragement to you. If, if, you've, if you've never responded by, by lifting your hands and clapping your hands and um, just responding to, to the word of the Lord, coming down to the front, lifting up your hands, talking to God, down here at the altar, this is what we call this, the altar down here. I just want to encourage you, when we get done today, I believe that if you'll come down to this altar and begin to pray and talk to God and just pour out your heart to God, I believe God will meet you here in a very real and tangible way. Now, here's the thing. There is, there is nothing special about this area of the church. God can... God can reach you way back there. We've seen God do it times. God can reach you right there on the front row or in the middle or wherever you're at. But here's what it is. When you come down to the front of the altar, you know what that is? That is a declaration. That is a step of faith saying, God, I need you to do something in my life. And you know what? It feels really uncomfortable to come down in front of all these people. I don't know all that well. Lift up my hands and begin to pray. But let me tell you this. The Bible says that God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So sometimes when you do things that are a little bit uncomfortable, it gets the attention of God. And God says, they're hungry for me. They're desperate for me. I'm going to do something in their life. So I want to encourage you today. God is here to do something in your life. Somebody say, in my life. Amen. Somebody turn to your neighbor and say, this message is for me. This for me. That includes me. The guy up here with the microphone. This for me too. 
It's for everybody in this room. And so I'm not talking to your neighbor today. I'm talking to you. I'm not talking to the person next to you. I'm talking to you. I'm not talking to anybody else. In the, I'm talking to myself today. Amen. I believe that if we'll respond, God will do something. Somebody say amen. Amen. Acts chapter 17, verse 22 is where we will begin reading. Bible says, Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and of earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worship with men's hands, as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. That's just good old King James E's for Jesus made everything. Some of you are like, what did we just read? Good old King James E's for the God that you're searching for. I know who he is. And he made all of this that we are beholding. He says, but the way that you get in touch with this God is that they should seek the Lord. If haply they might feel, somebody say feel, after him and find him. Because despite of what, in spite of what the world might tell you, in spite of what society might tell you in the year 2023, he be not far from every one of us. He's not far, Paul says. He's, he's right here. But if you want to connect with him, sometimes you just got to get in your feelings a little bit. That's what I want to preach to for the next few moments. I want to preach to you on in my feelings. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm in my feelings. Some of you are like, yes, you are. Some of you looking at your kids, yes, you are in your feelings. I told you, you need to get out of your feelings. That's the problem. Why don't you lift up your hands one more time all across the room. Let's pray together, okay? God, we thank you for your presence. Thank you for your spirit that's in this room. I pray in Jesus' name that you would speak to us in a mighty way by your word and by your spirit. God, I pray, fill somebody with the Holy Ghost today. Let someone be baptized in your name. Change somebody's life. Change my life forever today. I want to see you high and lifted up, oh God, in the train of your robe. Fill this temple. Do it in this place, God. We give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor and advance for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, somebody clap your hands one more time unto the Lord and give them some praise. Amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I have a confession to make this morning. Is that all right? Y'all are real quiet. Y'all are scaring me this morning. Okay. Now, if I'm going to make a confession, I need y'all to at least say something. Okay. I'm, I'm going to make a pretty big, some of y'all are getting real nervous. That's why you're like, what is Brother James getting ready to confess to right now? I got a confession to make, and I need it to be a judgment-free zone. Is, that, is, this, is this a judgment-free zone? Okay. Sometimes I work out at Planet Fitness, and they've deemed it a judgment-free zone. I mean, that means that anybody can go in there, and you're not, so, you're not supposed to drop weights or grunt or anything. You know, it's, it's a judgment Okay, this is a judgment-free zone because I need, to, I need to share something with you, Chi-Chi. Where's Chi-Chi? I thought that was Chi-Chi. Where's Chi-Chi at? Okay, there you go, Chi-Chi. I'm just used to you being right there. And then I looked and it wasn't you. Here's, here's, the, here's the announcement and the confession I need to make, Brother Junior. 
I was afraid of the dark, and I slept with a nightlight until I was 18 years of age. I did, Brother Bruce. I slept. I slept. Brother, Brother Chase, now I said judgment-free zone, bro, and you're back there laughing. And to make it worse, it was a Flintstone nightlight. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you're going to... Flintstone in the... Yeah, those Flintstones. But here's the thing. As I mentioned, the reason I did it was because I was afraid of the dark. Anybody afraid of the dark? Now, don't raise your hand too high if you're a guy or if you're a young man. Don't do that. I know you've you're got a crush on the girl in the church. She is not going to be impressed if you're afraid of the dark. Keep your hands down. I, I was afraid of the dark, but here's the, here's the reason why, y'all. I was afraid of the dark because I grew up in the country in Mississippi. And let me tell you something. If you have never been to the country, you think you know what dark is. You don't know what dark is until you've been to the country. City dark and country dark are different. Country dark just hits different. It's just different. Like country dark is the type of dark that when you walk outside, you just start singing for no reason. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you but my God will make a way. So I am not afraid. I'm not afraid. Why are you singing? You think, you think if you sing, you're going to make the darkness run a little bit? Nope. See, country dark is a type of dark that you just start running for no reason, right? You go out to your car. I'm preaching. I'm in the Holy Ghost right now. I'm in something. You start running out to your car. You open the door. Look and see if anybody's there. You take off running. Like you can escape the dark by running. It's going to be right there. Like country dark is a type of dark where you can't see me unless I smile. You know what I'm talking about? Like, where Brother James go? Like, oh, there he is. He's, he's smiling now. I can. <laughs> y'all laughing. Some of y'all need to stop laughing because you got the same problem. Okay. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. But I grew up in the country dark in Loosedale, Mississippi. But you know something that would happen whenever I was in the dark? Sometimes we would have thunderstorms. And if you've ever been down south, you understand when I say thunderstorms, it doesn't mean a little thunder here and there. No, when you say thunderstorms in the south, it's like, very scary sometimes. It'll, it'll knock bricks off of homes. It'll, it'll, it'll shake the entire place around you. And sometimes that, that thunder would, would knock out the electricity. And I'd be in my room seeking the face of God, going on a 40-day fast like I always did, and just being a perfect human being. Amen. Hallelujah. And all of a sudden, the lights would go out. And I'd be left in complete and total darkness. Now, here's what would happen. The moment I would be encapsulated in darkness, that fear was so great that I did not have time to try to figure out why it was dark. I didn't have time to try to figure out what was going on. No, there was an innate, immediate response to darkness. Whenever I would be surrounded by darkness, immediately... I would begin to feel. I'd reach out my hands, and I wasn't just feeling for something arbitrary. No, I wasn't just feeling for something random. No, I was feeling for a light. Because when you're surrounded by darkness, your innate response is to begin to feel feel for the light. Can I tell somebody this morning that we are living in a dark world right now? And I don't mean just sin. Yes, sin is a part of the equation. But what I really mean is it's a dark, despondent, detached world. It is heavy. It is People are hopeless. People don't have a sense of meaning or purpose. The world we are in is dark. But can I tell you when it is dark? That's when our senses come alive. When it's dark, that's when something begins to rise up in us and says there's got to be more than what meets the eye. There's got to be more to life than the empty 
heaviness that I'm facing right now, when it's dark, we begin to feel for the light. And I've come to remind somebody in this room this morning that there is a light, and that light is none other than Jesus Christ. In a world that is dark, we have hope. In a world that is despondent, we have hope. And it is not hope of this world. It is a hope that is beyond this world. There is a God that is light. There is a God that is light that is able to illuminate the darkness. Hey, I'm not afraid of the darkness of this world. I got a light with me. I'm not afraid of the depression of this world. I got a light with me. I got a light that's going to shine, that pierces the darkness, that pierces anxiety. That Oh, I'm preaching to somebody right now. You've been in a dark place, but can I tell you, you are not alone. You've been in a hurting place, but you are not by yourself. There is a light. There is a hope. There is a future for you. Oh, somebody ought to give God praise. Oh, if you found that light, somebody ought to thank God. Oh, I've come to remind somebody, you're not by yourself. You're not alone. You've not been abandoned. But there's a light for you. There's a hope for you. There's a future for you. He promised he will never leave you. He promised he will never forsake you. He promised he'd be right there. He promised even in the darkest of nights, he would be there. You have a light. His name is Jesus. In this darkness, we begin to feel. In the darkness, we begin to wonder, God, do you really see where we are? We begin to feel because it's just our innate response, just as it is in the physical when the darkness begins to blanket us, we begin to feel. We do the same thing in the physical that we do, or same thing rather in the spiritual that we do in the physical. We begin to feel for the light. Feelings are a very powerful thing. Here's the truth, you guys. God made each and every one of us with the ability to feel. Because when we feel, that's when we begin to experience God. Don't you let anybody make fun of you because when you come into the house of God, you get a little emotional and beside yourself. Can I tell you the best way for you to connect with God? The best way for you to connect with God is for you to forget about everybody else around you and to begin to pour out your heart and your soul to God with abandonment. Can I tell you, God made you with feelings so that you could experience him. God made you with emotions so that you could experience. See, see, some of y'all just get excited when it's the football team, but not me. I don't just get excited when my favorite team scores a touchdown. I don't just get in my feelings when my favorite team wins a championship. No, when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done, there's something that raises up in my emotions. I've got to worship. I've got to, I've got to cry a little bit sometimes. I get a little bit emotional. I get a little bit beside myself because of what God has done for me. Can I tell somebody God gave you those feelings so that you might worship him. God gave you those feelings so that you might connect with him. Feelings are a powerful thing and the world can frown upon how we dance and the world can frown on Upon how exuberant we are in our praise and our worship. But you don't know, like I know what the Lord has done for me. If you only knew the things that God has brought me from, you would understand why I'm as emotional as I am. If you only understood where I should be, 
you would understand why I'm in my feelings the way that I am. If you only understood that I shouldn't be standing in this room. I should be out somewhere losing my mind. I should be... I should be in a grave six feet under somewhere. But Jesus saved me. And for that, I give him praise. Jesus delivered me. And for that, I will bless him. I will worship him. I, I'm not ashamed to get in my feelings. I'm not ashamed to dance a little. I'm not ashamed to shout a little. I'm not ashamed to worship. If they can shout for their favorite team, I'm not going to let them outshout me. If they can worship for their favorite Come on, somebody. He's been too good for us to sit there. He's been too good for us to stand there. He's been so good. I've got to praise him. I've got to worship him. I've got to lift him up. Oh, somebody do it right now. I said somebody do it right now. Somebody praise him. Somebody worship him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You don't know what I've been through. That's why I praise. My praise cost me something. My praise cost me something. That's why I praise. That's why I've been through too much to give up now. I've been through too much to turn back now. I'm going to praise him. I'm going to worship him. I'm going to get in my... That's how I access him. God inhabits the praises of his people. When I begin to lift him up, he comes down. When I begin to worship him, he comes down. I don't care what the world says. Turn your neighbor and say, I'm not afraid to get in my feelings. I'm not afraid to worship. I'm not afraid to cry a little bit. I'm not afraid to jump a little bit. I'm not afraid to shout a little bit. I know you think I'm radical. I know you think, I know you can't understand it. But I got to praise. I got something I got to worship God about. I've got to magnify the name of Jesus. He gave me my feelings. Why do you think God gave you the ability to feel and have emotions? I'll tell you why. It's so that you might connect with him. No, you can always rely on your emotions. Sometimes you're not going to feel anything. But can I tell you what you do when you don't feel anything? You keep on praising. Can I tell you what you do when you don't feel anything? You continue to feel after You don't have to feel anything to feel after him. You don't have to see any hope to feel after him. You don't even have to feel any goosebumps to feel after him. But I'll bless the Lord at all times. When I don't feel anything, I'll bless the Lord. When I don't feel anything, I will still worship. I'll still praise. God made us. With emotions, with feelings, so that we might access Him, so that we might know and understand that He's more than just some celestial being up in the heavenlies that is unconcerned with what's going on in our lives. No, he sees you. He understands you. And when you begin to worship him and praise him, your praise connects with him and he begins to come down. You have feelings so that you can know and connect with the Lord. Feelings are a very powerful emotion. Emotions, whoo, emotions are a very powerful thing. I remember the first time that I discovered just how powerful emotions were, really on a kind of a a grand scale. I was about 10 years old, and some of y'all think I'm getting... Ready to be super spiritual. Just give me a sec. I'll get back to that spiritual stuff in a second. I was about 10 years old, and I was at youth camp. And I noticed 
Brother Bruce, I wasn't too particularly afraid to talk to the young ladies that were at the camp. Some of y'all are judging me so hard right now. They're like, oh my Lord, Brother James is a player from the days of his youth. I didn't say that. Quite the contrary. I was a, I was a brimming entrepreneur. And I saw a gap in the market, and I said, Lord, I'm getting ready to fill this gap. So me and my friend, William Jones, I just saw William a couple of weeks ago, and he confirmed this story to my wife because she didn't believe me the first time that I, I preached this a couple other times, and she didn't believe me whenever I shared this story. She's like, you are lying. I said, no, I'm not. You're serious? That really happened? Said, yes, it really happened. But we decided... That these guys were so in their feelings and so desperate to get their camp girlfriend, but they were just so scared. Because here's the thing, young people, the game has changed. Y'all can just slide into people's DMs now and just kind of hide it behind Instagram. That ain't the way it used to be. If you liked a girl, you had to go up to her and actually talk to her, you know? Like, wow, yes. Yes, you did. You would have to in person, like, right, she was there in front of you. I'll just slide into her, ah, whatever. And so these guys were afraid. They were afraid. And so me and William, we said, you know what? This is what we're going to do. For 25 cents, we will hook up every dude that so desires with his camp girlfriend. Hallelujah. <laughs> and let me tell y'all something. Business was booming. I mean... We're left and right, hooking them up for 25 cents. Yes. We'll hook you up. Brother Barry, there's this one, there's this one guy came up to us. I'll never forget it. He came up to us. He said, are, are you the guys? I said, yes, I am. I am the guy. He said, well, there's this, there's this girl, and I really, I really like her a lot, honey. Dude was in his feelings, man. I mean, he was a sick little lovesick puppy dog. He was pitiful. So we knew, you know, we got this dude. He'll do anything. He said, there's this, there's this girl. And we looked over, and there's this beautiful, young, red-headed girl. And I looked at her, and I looked back at him. Looked at her, then looked. This is a tough case, bro. I'm going to be honest with you. Like, this is, this is bad. You know, like, on a scale of 1 to 10, she's like, she's like a 10, and you're at best a 3.4. I'm being kind. I didn't say that. I was thinking that, though. I said, here's what I'll do for you, bro. I said, for $5 and them shades that's on your head, I'll hook you up. Your money back guaranteed. And would you believe this dude was so in his feelings that he did it. He did it. And they're still married today. Hallelujah. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> You're like, oh, he was, he was good. That boy real good. He's Hooked them up and they still together. Everything was going great until my mom found out. She shut the thing down real quick. Y'all are at church camp. Hook it. Boy, if you don't, you know, when your parents talk when they got their teeth clenched and you're just like, you know, you're just like, I'm going to leave you alone. I'm going to do whatever you say right now. I can't even really understand what you're saying because your teeth are clenched, but whatever it is, I. She shut the whole thing down. Some of y'all are laughing, but we do crazy things when we're in our feelings. Because here's the thing. Feelings are powerful. Your emotions are powerful. They have the ability to connect you, from God, connect you to God. But here's the thing you need to understand. They also have the ability to separate you from God. When you do not feel the presence of God like you want to feel. When you, do not, when you have not been able to access the power and the presence of God in the way that you want to access. 
that power and that presence. The enemy of your soul in that moment has the ability to manipulate your feelings. The one thing that's supposed to connect you to God. The one thing that's supposed to bring you closer in communion with God. It's the very purpose God gave you feelings. It's the very purpose that God gave you emotions. It's to connect with him. It's to have communion with him. But the enemy of your soul, if he can pervert the thing that God has given you to connect you with him. If the enemy can ease in and cause you to lose your connection to God via your feelings. And he'll win. And here's what the enemy decides for this. This is the enemy's way of doing it. The enemy will cause for us to feel after so many other things other than the presence of God. You're in darkness. And naturally, in our, in a, our innate response in darkness is to begin to feel. You feel the darkness of the world around you. You feel the pressure of the world around you. You feel the pressure of the society around you. You're weighed. You're overwhelmed. And, and you begin to feel, not just for some arbitrary thing, you begin to feel for the light. But in the darkness, if the enemy can begin to plant a little bit of distraction, if in the darkness the enemy can begin to plant a little bit of deception, and you begin to feel after those things that's when the enemy begins to execute his plan because the enemy knows if they feel after other things it will not satisfy them if they feel after other things they'll just be frustrated and that's the enemy's chief aim and desire. Can I tell you that is why distraction is abundant in the age that we live in. Because the enemy knows the only thing that can get you the relief that you need is the presence of God. The only thing that can bring on the lights in an otherwise dark world is the power and the presence of God. But if I can get them to feel after affirmation on social media, and if I can get them to feel after a good job that pays well, and if I can get them to feel after some other thing when that thing ultimately does not satisfy them they'll become frustrated in their emotions and quit feeling at all can I tell somebody that's the aim of the adversary that's why you're distracted because in the darkness there are all types of things the enemy has planted but I believe that there are some people in this room this morning that will say I will not feel after the things of this world I will not feel I'm going to feel after God I'm going to feel after his presence I'm going to feel after his spirit Some of you are like, what are you preaching about? Let me tell you, Psalm 143. I want you to listen to this passage of scripture. Can we put that up? Psalm 143 in verse 1. Listen to what happens. The psalmist, he's in a desperate place. He says, hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my supplications. And thy faithfulness answer me. And in thy righteousness and enter not into judgment with thy servant, for in thy sight shall no man living be justified. What is the problem? Why are you so desperate? Why are you crying out to God with such desperation and hunger? What's the big deal? He says, I'll tell you what the big deal is. The enemy had persecuted my soul. He has spent my life down to the ground. And he has made me to dwell in darkness. He says, Lord, I'm in darkness. I can't see anything. I can't feel anything. I don't know where you are. I don't know how your hand is moving. I'm in the darkness right now. If that is not a simile of the times that we are living in, I don't know what is. Where people are crying out in desperation. People are crying out in hunger. They're crying out because the darkness has completely surrounded them. The darkness... Let me tell you who the author of the darkness is. The enemy. God is not the one that calls the darkness. The enemy has caused darkness. But here's why the enemy calls us for it to be dark. If you don't think 
that the spiritual darkness in which we live is not a deliberate tactic of the adversary. You are not aware of what is going on. Can I tell you, the world as it is, is not just some random series of events. Can I tell you, there is an author behind the darkness that is in this world right now, and it is Satan himself. He has caused for the world to be dark and despondent and hopeless. He's caused for people to look around and say, there's no way that I should be living right now. There's no hope for me. There's not a future for me. It's too dark. And in the darkness, we do what we always do. We begin to feel. That's what people are doing. That's what your coworkers are doing at work right now. That's why they go out every single week and they, they lose their mind getting drunk. They're not doing that because they have nothing better to do. No, they're searching for something. They're searching for something to, to make them feel alive again. They're searching for something to turn on the lights. That's why your coworkers come up to you and you can feel the agony. You can feel. That's why some of you in this room right now can't get off of social media and can't quit watching television and can't quit doing that. I have nothing against those things, but some of us feel ourselves with those things, hoping that somehow it'll bring on the lights for us. Uh, hoping somehow it'll lift us out of the depression and the fear and the anxiety that we're in uh, but can I tell you none of those things uh, will satisfy you uh, none of those things will turn on the darkness for, turn on the lights for you Oh, you can feel after those things that for a moment you might get a little bit of relief. You can feel after those things and for a moment you might get a breath of fresh air. But can I tell you, it'll never really satisfy you like Jesus can satisfy you. It'll never fill the void like Jesus can. Psalmist said, I'm in the dark. I'm feeling I'm down here with people that have long been dead. It's dark. But in the darkness, this is the enemy's chief aim. It's not that you would just feel and be frustrated. No, the frustration is the first step. If he can cause you to be frustrated, he's executed the first step. But the, his final Goal is not for you to simply be frustrated, not for you to simply be overwhelmed, but here's his desire. Verse number four, Psalm 143, he said, therefore my spirit is overwhelmed within me, number one, being overwhelmed, but number two, my heart within me is desolate. If in the darkness... The enemy can get you to feel after things that will not satisfy you. You'll begin to get overwhelmed. Can I tell you, that's why anxiety is running rampant in this world right now. People are frustrated. They're, they're not satisfied because they've been feeling after the wrong things. They've been trying to find peace and joy and happiness and fulfillment in the things of this world. Can I tell you, there is nothing in this world that can give you peace and joy and fulfillment. There is nothing in this world that can turn on the lights for you. There's nothing. God created you with a desire and with a heart in, with a hole in your heart and in your soul that can only be filled by him. That's why you're overwhelmed. That's why you can't get out of bed in the morning. It's because you try to fill your life with other things that will never satisfy you. Money can't satisfy you. Fame can satisfy you. Affirmation from friends climbing the corporate ladder that will never satisfy you. Some of you think that if you have more money you'll be more happy. Some of you think that if you, you climb the corporate ladder, you'll be more happy. If I move here and I move there, I'll just be more happy. No, let me tell you what's going to happen. You're going to get more frustrated because when you reach this goal and you check this box, you think then I'll be happier. But when you get there, you'll realize that was never the light and you're still in darkness. You'll realize that was never meant to make me happy and you'll still feel frustrated. 
First comes frustration and overwhelming, being overwhelmed. But then secondly, comes the place that the enemy wants to get each and every one of us to. He says, therefore, my heart is overwhelmed and weak within me. And the ESV translation says it this way. And my heart grows numb. Can I tell you what is plaguing the modern church? Spiritual numbness. You could come into the house of God and before you used to be able to feel his presence. You used to be able to connect with him. You used to be able to have communion with him. But now church is nothing more than just a a religious tradition where you come in and check your religious box and go home. And you, you don't feel anything. You're numb the entire time. Can I tell you why you are numb? It's because you've been feeling after the wrong things. You spent your week instead of getting on your face and crying and seeking the face of God. You filled your you filled your life with things in this world that will never satisfy you. And you become frustrated and you become mad at God and you become hurt and angry at God. Can I tell you the reason why? You felt after the wrong things and you in your frustration and in your agony, you just decide, you know what? I'm just gonna be numb. I don't feel anything. Can I tell you why you don't feel anything? Can I tell you why you're spiritually numb? It's because you've been filling your life with so many other things that you cannot connect with God anymore. Some of you are so emotionally stimulated by other things in this this world that when you come into the house of God, you don't have any bandwidth to give to God. That that feeling has caused so much emotional energy and so much emotional bandwidth has gone forth from you that when you come into the house of God, you don't have anything left to give God. You come into the house of God and you can't feel anything. You've become, like the psalmist said in this passage of scripture, you've become spiritually numb. But I believe that the Bible says in God's word that when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock. When I... I haven't come to preach a message of gloom and doom to you. I've come to give you the remedy. When your heart is overwhelmed, don't turn on the TV and watch another show. Get on your knees and pray. When your heart is overwhelmed, don't you go out. I need somebody to hear me in the Holy Ghost. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock. Lead me to a place of prayer. Lead me to a place of consecration. Lead me to the place where God can change me. That's what's going to do it in my life. Somebody lift up your hands right now. Oh, I preach against every spirit of spiritual numbness that would try to grip the church of the living God. You can't feel because you've given yourself to so many other things. You're numb because you've given your emotions to so many other things. You're numb because in the darkness you felt, I'm not saying you're a bad person. I'm not saying that God doesn't love you and you don't love God. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying the enemy has played this place dark. The enemy has planted darkness around you so that you can get distracted. But I've come to tell somebody it's time to be drawn back to the light. It's time to be drawn back to your first love. It's time to be drawn back into communion and fellowship with him. (laughs) Lift up your hands and pray right now, can you? Yeah, we're coming against it right now. Ah. What you feel right now is conviction, and you're used, to, you're used to pushing that to the side, and you're used to chalking that up as him just preaching to somebody else, and he's just doing that because that's what he's supposed to do. No, I'm not. I'm doing that because God is trying to reach for you right now. God is trying to break that shell of numbness that is around you. God is trying to take that heart of stone and make it a heart of flesh. God is trying to reach you in this room. 
And the thing that you need to do is you need to begin to respond. Come on, the thing that you need to do is you need to begin to feel. God is trying to allow something to come back to life. Something that's been dead for a long time. God is just trying to allow it to come back to life. Something that has been dead for a long time. God is trying to tell you, I haven't given up on you. I haven't, I haven't given up on you. My promises are still in me. Yes and amen. But you got to come back alive again. You got to quit reaching in the darkness for things that will never satisfy you. Reach for me. Feel for me search for me it's the world that we live in you need to understand something what you are feeling the numbness that you are feeling is an executed plan of the adversary deliberately to cause for you to lose out on communion and fellowship with God. Can I tell you where the church got messed up? It wasn't in blatant sin. Can I tell you where the church is beginning to lose itself? It's not in people that are bad, just wanting to do bad things and wrong things. No, it's in people doing things that aren't that really big of a deal, but we're expecting for those things to fill us and fulfill us and to bring on the lights. And, and, and we've gotten distracted and we've become, we, we've become apathetic. And, and, and now we find ourselves in a place to where we can come into the presence of God and we can't even access him. We come into the presence of God and we can't even feel his presence anymore. We come into the presence of God, and when a convicting message is preached, it doesn't even move us anymore. We're so used to it. The darkness has caused us to become numb. Can I tell you, that is the type of place that the Apostle Paul arrives at in our scripture text. Acts chapter 17. The Bible says there are two types of people there. They're the Stoics and the Epicureans. Stoics are people who have made up in their mind during this time. Paul gets to Marseille. Stoics, Epicureans are there. And there are two types of people, Stoics and the Epicureans. And, and the Stoics are people that have made up their mind that emotions and feelings, what, 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 are, what, are, what, are, what are emotions and feelings? They, they've, they've had this mental ascent to where they look down and frown upon people. You know why? Because the Bible says that what they would do on Mars Hill is they would be caught up in some new revelation or some, some new thing. They would spend their entire time just trying to figure out, and they would break apart religion, and they would break apart all these things. You know what they were doing? They were feeling in the dark. But finally, they were so frustrated that they decided, you know what? This feeling thing is completely. This is, this, is, this is crazy. Why am I feeling? There's nothing out there. And so they had done, just as the psalmist had done, they had become spiritually numb. The Stoics now were people who frowned upon emotionalism because you guys are feeling, but there ain't nothing out there. Those are the types of people that the apostle Paul arrives on the scene and begins to talk to. There was one more group of people there. They're the Epicureans. Bible lets us know, or research, if, I, if you do some research, it lets you know the Epicureans, they were atheists. They were people that did not believe in God. They had done the same thing. They had felt after so many other gods, so many other religions, and they never satisfied. They felt after so many things, and it didn't turn on the light. They were in the darkness. And now, as the, just as the Stoics had, they had become so spiritually numb that they couldn't feel anymore. They were just sitting down in the darkness. And this is the type of people that the Apostle Paul arrives on the scene to and begins to preach to in Acts chapter 22. Spiritually numb, desolate people in the darkness. The Bible says Paul arrives on the scene. He says, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious. 
For when I, when I walked by here, I, I, I saw your devotions, and I, I saw this altar that you had inscripted to the unknown God. And, and you're searching for something, but, but you don't really know what it is. You're, you're in the darkness right now. You're feeling for something, but you haven't really found what it is. But, but I want to let you know that I know what you're looking for. I want to let you know that I know the remedy for the darkness. And it is not these gods that you've made with your hands. It's not these gods that you've, you've inscripted these things on know but there is a God up in heaven who made everything that's you can see right now there's a God up in heaven and his name is Jesus he's the one true God and he can be accessed he can be touched he doesn't just leave you in the darkness but he's the one you've been searching for he's the one you've been looking for he's the light of this world I want you to stand. I'm coming to a close. He said, I'm going to tell you, who the, I'm gonna tell you to, who the person is that could turn on the lights. It's my God. And his name is Jesus. He said, but here's the thing about my God. If you want to connect with him, if you want to know who he is, you got to do the one thing that you promised you would never do again. Because right now you're numb. And right now you've made up in your mind and in your heart that I'll never reach again. I'll never feel again. Soon as I turn 18, I'm getting out of this thing. The next opportunity I get, I'm leaving. Anytime now, as soon as I get the guts and the courage, I'm leaving. I'm done. I'm numb. I don't feel anything. But he says, this God, if he's to be experienced, you got to seek the Lord. And not only seek him, but you have to feel after. I know it's been a while, and I know that you're frustrated in the dark, and you felt after other things, and it didn't satisfy you. I'm preaching to somebody in this room right now. You felt after other things, and it did not bring you the heart's desire that you wanted. It did not bring you the satisfaction that you wanted, and you decided there must not be any hope for me. I'll always deal with this. I'll always be overwhelmed. I'll always be frustrated. Therefore, I'm just going to sit down in the darkness and be numb. But Paul says, don't be numb. Don't allow your heart to become cold. Don't allow your heart to become calloused. Don't just come to church and check your religious box and go home so that nobody will call you. Don't just do it for your mom. Don't just do it for your dad. Don't just do it because this is what you've always done. But when you come into my presence and you come into my house and there's darkness all around you and you feel like there's no hope, do the one thing that you don't really want to do because you don't feel like it works anymore. Begin to feel after me. Begin to feel after me. Begin. Because here's the truth of the matter. Some of you think that you got to feel him to feel after him. No, no, no. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says to feel after him. And can I tell you, you're not always going to feel God. But that should not stop you from feeling after God. You're not always going to feel his presence. You're not always going to feel the goosebumps coming over your body. No, sometimes you're not going to feel anything but feel anyway. Sometimes you're not going to see anything but feel anyway. That's what it's like when you're in the darkness. Sometimes you don't feel anything. Sometimes you can't see anything. But keep feeling after him. And Paul ends with this because the truth of the matter is, despite what society would tell you, despite what your own heart and emotions will tell you, he is not far from every one of us. What if you're in the darkness right now and you've been feeling, you've been walking? 
you've been feeling and you don't know where the light is because in darkness you don't know where the light is sometimes all you can do is feel but what if you're right there by the by the switch and right where the switch is within your reach and grasp you just decide it's, there's really no hope and you put your hand down some of you are so close and the enemy would want you to give up right before you get everything that God has for you. The enemy will want to get you to throw in the towel right before you see everything that God has for you. But can I tell somebody in this room, you've come too far to give up now. You've come too far to throw in the towel now. If you would just begin to feel after him, he is not far from you. Some of you have not wept in the presence of God in a long time. I've come to tell you right now, he is not far from you. Some of you have not been renewed in the Holy Ghost in a long time. I've come to tell you he is not far from you. Some of you haven't been tender in the presence of God. It's just been something that you're doing to bide your time so nobody will say anything to you. But can I tell you he is not far from you. The devil is a liar. The spirit of this world is a liar. God is not far from you. This thing is real. You can have a real relationship with God. God can transform your life. God can bring you out of the God can bring you out of anxiety. You can be a Christian. You can be an overcomer. You can be victorious. But nobody can do it for you. You got to feel after him. I know you're numb, but feel after him. I didn't say feel him. Because you're not always going to feel him. But if you'll feel after him. Paul says, you're going to find him. I want you to come to the front right now. If you want God to do something in your life, I want you to come to the front right now. shared this story before I may I may have I may not have about a year year and a half ago there was a young lady I need everybody to hear me right now I need you to listen to me there's a young lady she didn't know anything about Pentecost or, or an apostolic church she was brand new. As a matter of fact, I think it was her second time in church, and her friend came over to me. This was in Illinois. I was preaching at a church. Her friend came over to me. She said, Brother James, uh, can you come and pray for my friend? I said, sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll go pray for your friend. So we went over to where her friend was, and she was there. It was on the left side of the church, and I went over to her. I introduced myself. I said, hey, you know, my name is James, and she told me her name. Fortunately, I can't remember what her name was, but she told me. Immediately after telling me her name, she looked me in the eye with a fire like I hadn't seen in a while. She said, why can't I feel anything? Why can I feel? It was almost as if she was saying, listen, if this is just a whole bunch of religion and, and, and this is a, if this is, if this is just a whole bunch of hype and all you guys get together and do is just come together and hype yourselves up, I'm not in on the joke. I don't feel anything. If this is not real, I'm just being honest with you. I don't feel a thing right now. But I'm open. I need you to tell me, why can't I feel anything? It was, it was, I'm telling you, it took me aback. She was only 15 or 16 years of age. But even at that young age, she was so serious about God. She was so serious to have an encounter with God. If this is a whole bunch of fakeness, I'm out. I need you to explain to me. If this is not real, I'm not going to come around and play the game. I'm not like y'all. I didn't grow up in this. I'm not going to play the game. If this is real, something needs to happen right now. Why can't I feel him? 
I looked her back in the eye and I said, young lady, I said, I cannot tell you why you can't feel him. I said, but I can tell you this. I said, if you'll lift up your hands and you'll begin to feel after him. If you'll do what the Apostle Paul said and you'll begin to reach out your hands and begin to touch him, I'm telling you, he is not far from you. And he will reach you in this. See, some of you, you've been outside looking in and you can understand. And you're like, why can't I feel anything? Why why can everybody else come to the front and feel something and I can't feel anything? Can I tell you why? Because you've never taken a step to feel after him. And some of you that have taken a step, you've stopped just short of the light switch. It's right within your grasp. But the moment you're about to touch the light, you say, I can't feel anything, and you stop. But not this young lady. Oh, no, no, no. She had faith. I said, she, see, some of you have been around this for so long, you forgot how supernatural this is. Some of you have been around this so long that you forgot how powerful this is. But this young lady didn't grow up in this. This young lady, no. But she lifted up her hands as soon as I said that. And she began to go after God with all her heart. And for the first minute, nothing happened. Second minute, nothing happened. But somewhere around the two-minute, three-minute mark, you could feel it. You could, oh, somebody needs to hear me. You could feel that sound. You could hear that sound from heaven as of a mighty Russian wind begin to blow right by where we were standing. And all of a sudden, something changed in her countenance and tears begin to fall. And before you knew it, she was speaking in other tongues as God's Spirit gloriously filled her. This is not some fake religion. This is real. Jesus is real. But you won't experience him if you just sit there. You gotta feel after him. So if you're in this room, you've never been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Can I tell you, it is God's will that you be filled today. If you've never experienced the new birth, it is God's will that you experience it today. But can I tell you, I got to tell you, I got to be honest with you. You might come up to the front and the first minute you might not feel a thing. You might come up to the front and in two minutes you might not feel a thing. Three minutes, four minutes, five minutes. But Paul says even when you don't feel anything, don't let that stop you from feeling after. I promise you the more you feel after him, eventually you're going to strike something. Eventually you're going to find the light and God's spirit will fill you. I need faith in the room right now. Uh, I'm coming against doubt and opposition, but I'm telling you, God is wanting to fill somebody with the Holy Ghost. I need you to listen. I need you to hear me right now. If you've never been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, say, what are you talking about? This is what I'm talking about. Where you begin to speak in a heavenly language. As God's Spirit gives you the ability. If you've never been filled, but you would like to today, can you be so kind as to raise your hand? We want to pray with you. Is there anybody that has never been filled with the Holy Spirit before? Okay. We got one that's being honest right there. Is there I know there's some more in the building right now. Okay. Is there anybody else in the building? You've never been filled with God's Spirit. Living hope, I, I, I need you to understand something right now. God is getting ready to fill some people with the Holy Ghost. I thought I would have a better response than that. I said, God, it's not me. It's not you. We can't fill anybody with the Holy Ghost. But God can. And God wants to. And God is going to in faith in Jesus' name. Or, if it's been a long time, since you felt him here's what we're going to do all across this room we're going to repent of our sins Acts 2 chapter 38 that is the first key Peter says you got to repent so all across this room 
can we make this one gigantic altar of repentance? I want you right now to ask God to forgive you and cleanse you of every sin and every mistake. Would you lift up your voice? Would you talk to him with your mouth and with your words? The Holy Ghost is in this room. Come on, if you've never used your words in your mouth, I want you to use your words right now. And I want you to begin to talk to God. Come on, I want you to begin to pour your heart out to God. Come on, I want you to begin to pour out your heart. Come on, all across this room. Would you repent right now? Come on, for a few more seconds right now, would you just repent? God, cleanse me. God, wash me. Anything in me that's not like you, I need you to cleanse me right now. Anything that's not like you, I need you to wash me, God. I want to be like you. I want to be clean. I want to be pure. I'm going to feel, I'm going to feel after you. I'm going to follow after your presence. Jesus name I want you to listen to me really quick we're gonna pray I need everybody's attention really quick if you just repented of your sins according to God's word in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38 we follow the plan of salvation and now you can receive the gift of the Holy Ghost God wants to fill you with his spirit more than you want to be filled with his spirit. The Bible says it's not the will of God that anybody should perish, but that all should come to repentance, that all should experience the power of his spirit. I believe that it's the will, I know it's the will of God that you be filled with the Holy Ghost today. But here's the thing, God will not fill you if you do not feel after him. I've seen so many people that wanted God to touch them but they sit there like this. Can I tell you, if you want to be filled with God's Spirit, you have to use your words. You have to use your mouth. You have to begin to talk to God. And when you begin to praise and worship the Lord, that's when God's Spirit will begin to touch you. The Bible says that God inhabits the praises of His people. When you begin to praise and when you begin to worship and when you begin to lift up the name of Jesus, that's when His Spirit will begin to fill you. And so here's what we're going to do. If there's somebody around you right now that has never received the gift of the Holy Ghost, I want you to get around them and I want you to begin to pray and I don't want you to smother them. I don't want you to do something weird to them. All right? I want you to just go around them and I want you to begin to pray for them. And let, let me tell you something right now. It's not in the shaking of the hand. It's not in the shaking of the people. You don't have to do any of that stuff. All you have to do is lay hands on people and pray in the name of Jesus and the Holy Ghost will fall on them. I'm telling you right now, God is getting ready to fill some people with the Holy Ghost. One more time. If you've never received the Holy Ghost in this room, when we, when we get done praying, I'm going to pray in the name of Jesus. When we get done praying, I want you to close your eyes. I want you to forget about everybody around you. I want you to focus your mind and your heart on the Lord. And I want you to begin to worship Him. And as you do, God's spirit is not fake. This is not some religion that a man made up. This is real. And you're going to experience the very real power of God in this room. And to those of you that it's been a long time and you're wondering whether or not it's real, if you'll get real with God, God will get real with you and God will touch you in a brand new way today. If you'll get real with God and you'll focus your mind on him, God will pour out his spirit on you in a very real and tangible way. Go ahead, would you lift? Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. So I'm going to wait on you, Jesus.